we need to have a reason in the government to make something illegal. We don't have to have a reason to make something legal. And there's no reason why marijuana should be illegal at all. Welcome to Far North Toker. This is episode 111, October 28, 2018, with your host, Mid Toker. Thank you all for listening. We got another political show for you. Couldn't be better. Scott Kawasaki, Representative Scott Kawasaki, running for state senate against Pete Kelly. This should be a no brainer, guys. Scott Kawasaki's got to bring this one home for cannabis. He's done well in the House for cannabis. Let's send him to the Senate and get rid of Kelly from the Senate at the same time. One of the foundations of democracy is this idea of civic virtue, that you give up something of yourself, you sacrifice some of your your personal gains for the community. I think Representative Kawasaki illustrates that. We don't always agree on certain things, but will you ever? Good man we got here, coming out of Fairbanks. So easy to talk to him. Times... Uh, I forgot I was talking to the next Alaska State Senator, Scott Kawasaki. Good luck. He don't need it. Let's get to the show. Chena Cannabis, North Pole Cannabis Dispensary, 1725 Richardson Highway, between North Pole and Fairbanks, right before the Badger Road exit. You're going to love this place. Convenient access right off the highway. Special in-house strains, fine flower strains, chocolate, sourdough, blue kush, big smooth, purple OG kush, fruity pebbles, mmm, concentrates by good cannabis, good titrations, edibles by AK Frost, and the good cannabis gummies. Head on over to Chena Cannabis. Check out the full menu on leafly.com. Open Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. Sunday, noon till 6. You don't have to drive all the way to Fairbanks for your cannabis needs. Save your time. Get your quality cannabis at Chena Cannabis. Your North Pole Cannabis Dispensary. Chena Cannabis. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For use only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Representative Hello. Scott Kawasaki, welcome to Far North Tokers. Great to be here. Running for state senate against Pete Kelly. And, um, That's right. Since we have time, you know, I, I've heard you on a, on Problem Corner a lot, uh, and I'm, I've I've been missing you recently, as as it goes. You know, it <laughs> seems that was I listened to that show and to get right off to it. I I couldn't. Uh, yeah, it, it it was a tough tough listen. How how did that go for you? Well, <clears throat> I mean, here's the thing. Years ago. Uh, the show Problem Corner used to be a public show and uh, I used to be on the show once a week um, usually on Tuesdays and uh, this was during Steve Floyd it was before that when it was Michael Drescher it was like you know he, he'd allow us on allow some public comment and we'd always be there for Q&A and uh, over the last couple of years it's been owned or run by you know Dave Pruz and Dave Pruz doesn't want me on and there's a reason I, I ran against him several years ago and I beat him. And so he doesn't allow me on the show anymore now. <laughs> you think that's that's just straight up what it is? Just that, huh? It's it's just that because my legislative office, which is has always made my schedule available, has called him or written emails or talked to his office saying that we'd be happy to come on. If you if you want us to come on and tell you what's going on down in Juneau, hmm. let us know. Uh, we want to make ourselves available. Because we're accountable to the public, and uh, and uh, he just wants to exclude us from the show. Uh, well, that's too sort bad. Of gripe about us, <laughs> gripe about us, you know, snipe at us, and then not allow us to have any chance to answer questions. And so I, I appreciate things like podcasts, and appreciate uh, uh, people like you that'll that'll take whoever uh, wants to talk about whatever's going on. Right. This is a this is certainly a big issue, and certainly an important podcast out there. Right, it's it's not just take whoever, uh, Representative Kawasaki. You are a big player on the stage. You are, 
I, I was just looking over things with you. Um, I want to get back over your timeline a little bit. Where does it start for you in Alaska? Are you born here in Alaska in Fairbanks? Uh, no. So my parents, my parents, they moved up to Alaska back in the late fifties. They were looking for a great college education. The University of Alaska had one of the Arctic programs my father was interested in, um, studying permafrost and climatology. My mother studied speech. They came up here in the 50s. They decided this was the place that they wanted to live and work and raise a family and then retire. And so they decided to buy a house back in 1957, 58. They bought a house in Aurora. It's a house, a little tiny house I grew, or I grew up in and the little tiny house I live in now. And uh, we moved back up here when I was a young child after they could find a job up here. Um, uh, my dad was a teacher of physics up at the university for many years until he passed away. And so we've lived up here. My sister and I, my mom, uh, have lived up here for all of our lives. Love this place. And just like my parents, I want to make this place a great way, a great place to live, work, raise a family, and then retire. You have some testimony to civic virtue, like when we study those principles of democracy, it comes from there. You you want to make our 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 world a better place in the same world you live in. So I, I can appreciate that. That's right. You bet. You and bet. What do you you work at the hospital otherwise, right? Still, or you used to, or how? What's going on with that? Yeah, I used to. So okay, I I um during during my um during my schooling I. I worked both at Captain Bart, uh, the Captain Bartlett Inn, old Captain Bartlett Inn. Uh, CBI no longer exists. It got bulldozed down. Um, right. And then I was working at the hospital at the same time because my, my background was actually biochemistry and biomedicine. Mm. And I was thinking about going into medical school. And so I started working at the hospital when I was finishing up my, my undergraduate program at UAF. And it's in, you know, it's a, the great thing about the hospital is it's a 24 hour hospital. It's open all night long. And I was able to work shift work there while going to school. So I worked there. I worked there for 12 years. Uh, I actually worked there even as when I first got elected to the state legislature, had to move down to Juneau four or five months out of the year. I was able to keep my job at the hospital at FMH um, in registration, patient registration services and administration doing work there, which was, which was fantastic. They're a great employer. You know, they, uh, they really do care about their employees. Um, and it, it was, it was a field that I'm interested in, which is healthcare and making sure that we have a healthy Alaska. And one of our babies was being born there at FMH and, uh, I, I saw you in the hall and I was like, wow, I thought you were in Juno. That's cool. Got it <laughs> working here too. It felt good yeah, seeing you here yeah. too. Yeah. Well, we have a citizen legislature. So mm -hmm. as you know, well, sort of the idea is that between a citizen legislature is that when you're not during when you're not in session in Juneau for those four or five months, a lot of people do have other jobs. And the idea is that that most people have other jobs. It it really has become a place for mostly older folks, people who are retired, people who are independently wealthy. You know, it's a job that you um, have to love because every other year you have an election, and every other election means that you have to you know, come before the voters. And it doesn't matter if you do the best job in the world, because if you're in a tough district, you could, you could potentially lose your job. And, uh, so it's, it's been a real challenge. Luckily the voters of my district have elected me over uh, time and time again. So I'm pretty excited about that. And it just didn't start in Juneau, right? You were on city council. Yeah. So I, I served on the city council, gosh, like, uh, like right when I was uh, 22, 23 years old, okay. um, city council is a non non paid position, but I tr it was a it was a pretty quick transition from working um, in student government to to working in uh, in city government and being a member of the council, and uh, and I enjoyed that. I really did enjoy local government because we deal with police, we deal with fire, we deal with potholes, property taxes, things that local people care about. Like when's the snow going to get removed in front of my house? It, it was really a local, local feel to it, and uh, that was a great experience. Great, great experience. What took you away from that? What is it? Term out? Uh, it's it's termed out. Yeah, it's a termed out. But you know, really, um, you know, my calling for public service for public uh, service just kept going on and on. And then when a position had opened to run for the state house, I decided to take it. And uh, I jumped on the opportunity. I lost my first election 
my first election to the state house, I actually lost by a handful of votes, less than 40 votes. Um, Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> talk about that because we, we yeah. talk about all the successes a lot of times with people. Yeah. So, yeah, many, yeah. many great ones have failed first, too. So what you decided to yeah. go for the House out of city council and – I, I did. You know, I, I decided I was on the city council at the time. And you were the, young then, the right? Seat, then? I was 27 or 26 years old. Um, oh. And I said, there's this house seat. <laughs> yeah, right. There's oh, a house awesome, seat that though. opened up. And uh, and there's folks that said, well, you know, there's nobody else that's going to run. Um, there's a Republican that's in the seat right now. He's not doing such a great job. Would you consider running? And I said, well, yeah, I, I consider it. It's a you know, it's a real sacrifice to, to, to do that. And, uh, I mean, you have to take time off from work and, you know, sacrifice your time and, and, uh, and it's, and it's a costly venture too. And so it was, it was a real challenge, but I decided I'll, I'll go ahead and do it and, uh, ran hard, worked hard, knocked on doors. People were excited. And in the end, you know, we came up short. Uh, we were about 40 votes short 40? of winning huh. 40 votes. Nobody thought we'd ever get that close. Um, people said, well, you know, you were really underestimated, but next time around, you can win. And I said, next time? <laughs> hey, I just lost. I don't know if I want to do it. I don't know if I want to go through that again, but uh, I did the next time around, and then I won. The, so then I guess I've the same candidate? The were you running against the same guy? Or? Against the same Against the same guy, exactly. Oh, nice. Yeah. That, that's good. I'm, so you weren't defeated. You 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 were kind of emboldened because you shouldn't have done that well. And there you go. And you have all these people right. saying, "Yeah, all right. You did you did better than you thought." Yeah. That's great. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It was. But you never know. You never know what's going to happen. I mean, in life, just like uh, yeah, just like in life, you never know what's going to happen. Yep. Well, are you working now? Are you working anywhere else? Um, well, you know, every other year uh, we have elections. Mm-hmm. Very challenging. Um, I kept the hospital job probably for four or five years until I was able to say, Hey, I can't, I can't do both. Um, and so the last several years I've focused specifically on public service working for the state legislature. Um, and I'll just say, and I know a lot of people are going to ask the question, well, geez, don't you get paid a lot of money? And I'll just say that we, uh, I got paid more working for the hospital. Uh, what was that? 12 years ago than I do now working in the legislature today. That's the difference and that's the difference in salary. And the, the hospital was again, great employer pays very well. And, that, and that's, uh, you know, that's something to be pointed out that this really is public service for most people. Uh, for some people, if you are uh, independently wealthy, it's, you know, they get to play, play the game, play it as a game. But for us, for most people, and, and for me, especially it's, uh, it's, um, it's because I love the people and I love representing folks. It's public service. It's truly public service. So this is evolving then to the Senate seat now, right? So, so how does that yeah. go? When did, yeah. where do you, where do you get the inkling that you're going to be running against Pete Kelly? <laughs> you know, um, well, I'll, I'll just, I'll just say it out straight. You know, I, I've never been a big fan of Pete Kelly. I remember when he first ran in, in the 90s. He was first elected in 1994. That was the first year I was able to vote uh, as a kid. Uh, I don't think I voted for him. I'm pretty sure I didn't vote for him, but it was a long time ago. It was 1994. He's been in public policy and uh, in government. He's been in government for all of his life. Um, you know, And he's been one of those people that I feel has uh, not represented Fairbanks very well. Uh, I think he's taken us down the wrong turn in the last six years as Senate president and Senate chair of the finance committee. Um, he's, you know, led the efforts about, uh, led the efforts on cutting the PFD, you know, led efforts on just stonewalling each and every proposal that comes to the, to the table. Uh, he's just, uh, been a bully down in Juneau. And I said, there's no way I'm going to let this stand. <laughs> and even though I can run, win my house seat, It'll be an easy seat to run in, um, and I could probably win very handily. Uh, I'm going to take a chance, and I'm going to run against Pete Kelly because if nobody else will, I'm going to regret doing it now. And I said, uh, uh, I, I said, Fairbanks needs a choice, um, and clearly we are different people. Uh, Pete Kelly and I are different people. That is faux show. definitely. <laughs> I liked. I was scrolling down through Facebook, and I didn't really. 
see it, but I saw you guys doing those uh, the cards, the red and the red and green cards. That was I really like how they do that, and you you see immediately you guys weren't weren't together on ideas. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what they were, but yeah, uh, <laughs> pretty true though. <laughs> no, it is. So he is definitely uh, not a not pro cannabis in any any stretch he, he's led some of the the opposition to dismantle it whether you're trying to get rid of edibles or whether out in the village or or anything he, he's one of those people in power that is definitely trying to dismantle what the people have wanted and from having you come into the Fairbanks Cannabis Network promoting yourself as that as a cannabis maybe not a cannabis uh, candidate but um you support cannabis i mean there's so many issues but our podcast is about cannabis yeah well uh, you know your your listeners and on your podcast probably remember and maybe you even remember too that um when there was a uh, uh proposition five and I, I don't know exactly what year that was maybe 2000 2000 2002 maybe um, it was a statewide that. ballot initiative, right, to legalize uh, legalize marijuana. It it failed, you know, it failed because there were a lot of issues about surround. It was a lot of confusion and issues surrounding what happens to people who are currently in jail and do yes. are they going to have to? Are we going to have to co- recompensate, right? Recompense that, those folks that have been in jail. That killed it. And that it? was that was the spin. That was the big spin at the time. But I remember being on the city council, and I remember having a resolution placed in front of the city council supporting, I'm sorry, opposing Proposition 5. And, you know, the city council's um, typically uh, legislative making bodies uh, have these resolutions come before them from time to time to say, look, the will of Fairbanks is that we are opposed to Proposition 5. I remember as a young candidate, or I mean a young uh, member of the city council, why are we dealing with this issue, which is a statewide issue, and why do we have to why do we have to bring the politics in it? But it was brought forward, and I remember voting. I was the only voter against the resolution, which was against Proposition Five. And my main nuance was, I mean, you know, this is let's let the voters decide. Um, this is this is an issue that should come up to a public vote. There's a lot of reasons why it's it's legitimate, and. Uh, and I just remember that Senator Kelly, then a member of the House at the time, sent staff to that meeting at the city council uh, basically to say that, that we want you to vote a certain way. Um, so even then, he was involved in uh, opposing cannabis legalization. And, uh, and even then, I was at least supportive or you know, put, put, putting forth my... My uh, my ideas that say yep, if you gotta you gotta have a reason to make something illegal, and we haven't shown the case for it in the state of Alaska. It's been that it's been that long since he's been sort of one of those guys that's really tied in with the whole <laughs> the whole reefer madness, <laughs> you know, reefer madness group, and uh, it's it's pretty amazing. But uh, he's still there today. He's still. I, I I think he is. His time is is coming. Scott and I, I'm, I'm glad you're there taking him on. <laughs> Dab Lab AK, winner of Cannabis Classic 2017, Alaska's best glass shop. And there's no doubt as to why. High quality American made glass, none of this cheap import stuff. With the best CBD and accessories available on the market, all in a comfortable, professional setting with competitive prices. Support local, College Road, Fairbanks. I'm gonna let my buddy Alaska Red tell you. For the highest quality glass that you're going to find in Alaska, head on down to my buddy's shop, Dab Lab AK, 3410 College Road. That's Dab Lab AK, 3410 College Road, Fairbanks, Alaska. 10 to 9, Sunday through Thursday, open till 11, Friday to Saturday. For all your cannabis accessory needs, Dab Lab AK. Backtrack provided by Alaska Red, Lyrical Sticker. Are you going to go for Are you going to go for governor? I, I got back to that. I, do you see that as something? Are we going to be talking about no. Governor Kawasaki one day? <laughs> no, no, never. No, never. You're I not an executive. You're a legislator. I can promise. 
I can promise you that. It's not that I'm not an executive. It's just that, uh, you know, being a governor of a state takes a lot of responsibility that I just, I don't think that I can assume, you know, at this stage in my life, I've committed a lot of time already as a state legislator now. Um, You know, this is, this is really where I'm going to be. But I certainly would support any, you know, any governor, strong executive uh, that supports freedoms and that supports the state of Alaska and pushes an agenda that will make sure that, uh, again, my agenda, that's a great place to live, work, raise a family and retire. That's what it's all about for me. What do you feel are the most important issues with cannabis right now with the, at the state level? Well, I mean, you know, I've got a little bit of an inkling of, of things that the, the cannabis industry is facing. It's a, it's a brand new industry, right? So it's, it's majorly going to have some, some growing pains. I think we, we've heard about the uh, taxation issue and how the taxes are, are, the taxes are very prohibitive now that the industry is starting to bolster up and get on its feet it, internally. And this is something a governor can do. And, uh, you know, and if I were governor, this is something that I would focus on is that, uh, the marijuana control alcohol and marijuana control office has just a glut of people that they need to, um, get into the market that are just waiting for paperwork. You know, those are, those are the types of things that, uh, administratively, if you're a small business and you want to start up and you're ready and, and, and willing and able and you've got backers and you've got money behind you and you just want to open up a storefront or a, a business are having trouble just doing. And I think that's, that's, a, that's a real shame that during this time we haven't uh, helped the industry come, off, come, you know, come into full swing yet, um, despite the fact that this, this uh, passed several years ago, four years ago. Um, I think that there's there are some regulations and some laws that will need to be rewritten. You know, we we take a clear uh, we 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 make sure that uh, the folks that are at the uh, board level um, focus clearly on uh, what the industry needs, how we how we tr- translate some of the law and to clarify the law to make sure that the industry has the wherewithal to get the job done. And uh, so th- those are other you know, issues, issues really facing this industry. But, uh, you know, I still see it as a growing industry. I still see it as an industry that, uh, that we should be proud of, that we could be proud of, that we could enhance the entire state. You know, I don't see it as a necessarily a huge moneymaker for the state. I, I, I recognize that, you know, if you, if you want to try and balance the budget just on marijuana, it's going to take a lot. <laughs> That's probably not a realistic, uh, realistic expectation, but uh, we want to make sure that the industry is able to grow and that small businesses from uh, the folks who, uh, you know, the folks who provide the testing to the folks that provide the actual, uh, that actually grow um, in an agricultural setting um, have, have the tools that they need. So like I said, like any other industry um, that just started, we're starting from zero. There's going to be lots of flux, lots of changes, and the state needs to be adapt. Uh, needs to adapt to what the industry is actually asking for. And what do you think about splitting the alcohol and cannabis control boards, just making them two different entities completely? I've always said, you know, we we came into 2014, and uh, after after ratifying the uh, proposition we came into 2014 with this huge budget deficit and we're like oh man how are we going to how are we going to do this um, but we've seen problems already with AMCO which is the marijuana alcohol and marijuana control office trying to do both the alcohol stuff that they've always done and then this new industry that's just starting out on the other side and so we know, you know just the other day I was talking to a person that needed an alcohol license and they said, I can't get my alcohol license. And I go, why is that? Like, well, according to the director, according to the person that's up there that's working on uh, licensing is that they're working too hard on marijuana, marijuana and uh, cannabis industry licensing. And they just can't do both things at the same time. They're not used to it. And, uh, and that's a real problem. And so I could easily see having two separate, um, licensing groups within the uh, marijuana control office separately, alcohol control office, like it, how it's always been, ABC. And uh, and then if there's some efficiencies that can be made between the two of them, that's fine. But right now they are just strapped for staff. 
trying to figure out who's doing what and folks that are doing that normally had traditionally done alcohol beverage control board issues are now doing these other issues that they're just not used to and vice versa. And it, it hasn't worked out as well as it should. And so for an in, again, the industry just starting in 2014, that's going to be a, that's going to be a huge challenge for those guys. Huge challenge. That's something I, I don't give enough credit to. I, I want to go right to, oh, it's conflict of interest, alcohol against cannabis. But yeah, just the logistics of dumping a whole nother industry on these people with, and having to educate them about how all these new rules and, and then, oh, but still get all the alcohol stuff done too. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's a real challenge. Um, like I said, it's a real challenge. Um, if not, sometimes... There might be conflicts, and I, you know, I, I haven't heard of anything really public as being a conflict between, say, a bar owner and then the, the industry or cannabis uh, startup next to them. But uh, that, that could happen, and that's probably something to be aware of. Well, as that would move into on-site consumption, it's going to be another yes. huge issue coming up here in Alaska. It, it will, absolutely. We've got 30 days now left on you know, public comment. Right. And whether the board will do anything that they've done already or, you know, changed or it, I, I doubt much is going to change. It's going to be a very watered down thing. That's not going to be worth going to anyway, which is probably the point that I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, one thing that I, I feel that we can do as far as pushing this, this new resource in our economy is definitely the on-site consumption, having all these tourists, that are they we are making our tourists criminals by coming and consuming yeah. Alaskan cannabis because they're doing it in a in a place where they're not allowed to. They're going out in their cars, they're walking around in the parks, where, wherever hotel rooms, mm -hmm. and they don't have a place. So that just that in general, uh, mm -hmm. I I really like to see on-site consumption come on, and I guess that's not really a, a legislative piece yet. Can, how how does that work? Can you guys just jump right over AMCO and make um, regulation or, or jump over the board even too? Or are you guys just completely out of it? Well, I think, as I mentioned before, the legislature sort of taken the wait and see what the board right. does. Right? Making, uh, Didn't making, they have to stay off for a certain amount of time, like a year before uh, they could we, touch we, it or – yeah, well, actually, that so that time's already passed. And right. The time, and that what that is is after two years, the legislature could repeal what oh. the public vote was. Uh, there's no move right now, anyways, to to repeal what the public has done. And now with the industry starting to grow, I think it would be a real challenge for them to even try. So right. even the people that are hard over anti-cannabis, like like Pete Kelly, I think he'd have trouble <laughs> justifying. Okay, we're gonna we're just gonna end this now. We're gonna repeal all the uh, efforts of all the people that signed the petition and then voted for it because, in the districts up here, seventy percent of the people supported it. <laughs> mm. So clearly, clearly there's popular support. Popular support. So to answer your question, the legislature can jump into it. Um, the legislature could say, sure, we're gonna take over this piece uh, about uh, uh, about on-site on-site consumption and use the context of what they believe the voters uh, were asking for when they voted for it. We haven't yet because I think you know we're kind of waiting for that board to, to come up with what the answer is. We might have to come up with laws that deal with um, what the recommendations come forward. Um, there's going to be obviously legislators that are particularly interested in how that impacts them personally. There's going to be legislators who do not want on-site consumption that are going to try to curtail it as much as they can through legislation. So yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it is something that can happen. And I just wanted to point out that, you know, the, the fact that folks who are uh, coming up to Alaska or in Alaska and then being made criminals immediately because they have to go to a park or something like that. People in Juneau, we totally get that because we're in Juneau. You see a, you see three or four cruise ships in a day. Right. These folks are coming up here. They totally know what's going on, and there's three or four, uh, uh, three or four cannabis uh, shops downtown, and they warn them, "Hey, you're not allowed to smoke this here. You're not allowed to go there. You're not allowed to go here. You have to take this. You're also not allowed to take it on a cruise ship. I, right. I believe it's an international law, or at least a, at least a state law in state waters. 
but uh, you know, folks are being being made criminals, and it's um, it's really sort of sad. But uh, but that is something that legislators get to see because we understand when the cruise ship comes in, these guys are buying stuff. Well, what are they doing with it? Well, they're breaking the law. They're being made lawbreakers immediately, and it's and it's really a sad thing because when folks come up to Alaska, whether it's uh, for tourism uh, reasons or, or visitor reasons, and whether it's to watch the Northern Lights or to or to experience, um, you know, cannabis in Alaska, they are uh, in a lot of in a lot of places, a lot of jurisdictions breaking the law, which is um, pretty sad. It is, and and then it sets up that whole st- the stigma of hiding, and, and right, and then you 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 get all paranoid, that whole feeling again. I, I would really like to see us be an example to all these other states. We've got other states yes. that are going to be coming on, and on-site consumption is going to be an issue in all of these states. It, it's going to happen. In 20 years from now, this is not even going to be a thought. We're going to have bars I hope so. just exactly like yeah. – uh, or alcohol be like cannabis. or We're going to be have right. social gatherings where we can consume cannabis. Yep. Uh, but we're not there yet. So I hope we can, be, <laughs> we can be the leaders. I hope we, get, we have strong enough leaders and g- good enough ideas that hold that, that we, can, we can be models. Yep, absolutely we do. And, and Alaskans are pioneers. Alaskans have been pioneers since statehood, since 1959 and before when we were a territory. The people that move up to Alaska are hands-on. We roll up our sleeves. We get the job done. Uh, we don't care about the regulations and government as much as we care about the outcome. And uh, this is just one of those other things. It's sort of a blip in the in the screen right now, but uh, we're going to get this done, and it's going to be a it's going to be a, a great industry. It's going to be a productive industry um, in the future. And the stigma that you mentioned, I think, will eventually die. And I think that uh, the industry actually has done a, a really good job of making sure, especially Fairbanks right here has done a really good job of making sure that that happens. Um, you know, we've, we've, uh, had a real responsible, uh, group of investors and folks and businesses that have really came, come to the table to, to make sure that, 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 uh, you know, they, they give back that they don't have the, um, well, this is a, this is a place for drugs. No, this is a business just like any other business. And they've run these businesses well up here I just got to say, I'm really proud of all the folks in Fairbanks, especially Fairbanks, that have really led that effort up here. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a great thing to see. Yeah, well, we've got we have some good stewards of the industry. Yeah, yeah, we definitely really good, good models. And one of the things I'm thinking about about this being a model to other places, uh, with Canada just legalizing, we we're going to have a hard time selling our Alaskan cannabis anywhere else when those laws break down, huh? With Canada being right there and they've got the, yeah. one of the largest industries. So yeah, that's that, uh, I don't even know what I'm thinking about that, but just thinking about a, the global market that'll eventually happen. And Canada's got a nice head start on us there. That's for sure. What would you think if I sang? Now being a patron of Far North Tokers comes with extra bonus of discounts at participating sponsors. Chena Cannabis, the North Bowl Refinery, Moving Free Farms, Dab Lab AK. Thank you sponsors for extending these benefits to our patrons. Like our newest patron, Rhonda Howard, Sarah Grover, Virgie Walter, and Josiah Lockery. Can't forget our longtime supporters, Marilyn Berglund, Carrie Mullis, Peggy Peters, Aaron Worthy, Randall Mage. Here's to You know, I will say that one other thing that was really interesting, because we mentioned tourism, we mentioned the visitor industry, mm-hmm. is that it came up the other day during a Alaska Travel Industry Association meeting that, uh, you know, there's all these assets in Alaska. We have the Northern Lights, we have snow, Santa Claus lives in North Pole, right? We've got, we've got, great, we've got great views, we live in a postcard. Oh, yeah, hey, there's this new industry. It's the cannabis industry in Alaska that's been open for the last couple of years, and it's just getting off its feet. Um, how does that impact visitor visitorship? Do you think people actually come up to Alaska for that? And <laughs> a lot of them, um, you know, we're scratching their head. Well, probably they do, but we don't. it's hard to quantify. But I think it's an un, uh, unmet need right there where, or an unmet maybe advertising 
um, blitz that folks can do uh, where folks say, hey, you know, come up to Alaska. We've got some of these the greatest freedoms of the world are up in Alaska. You can you can breathe this clean air. You can see a moose. You can see the aurora. You can't see that anywhere else. Oh, yeah. By the way, we also we're also legal. Uh, up here but you can't smoke it and uh <laughs> but you can't smoke it outdoor right you have to but you have a uh, 400,000 acres of woods that uh, you can probably find yourself uh yes. away where nobody enforcement. else will find it. enforcement <laughs> becomes the issue there yeah right right was there any talk there in juno you were talking about all these all the, the tourists getting off the cruise ships is there can you smell it in the bars now coming off of uh the cruise ships or is there a joke about it or is just everyone just well, kind of knows it's happening? Um, you know, I, I, not in bars, no, not in bars necessarily. You once in a while will catch a whiff when you're walking down main street, just, you know, not two blocks away from the Capitol. But Juno is sort of a, such a small, a small, tiny, tiny, tiny area. And suddenly you've got, you know, 10,000 tourists that are standing on the streets that it's hard to miss. Um, but it's not, it's not outrageous. It's not people that are, you know, it's, it, it's not uh, an entire bu- busload of tourists buying, um, buying cannabis at the right. downtown place on front street and suddenly lighting up right there that are causing problems. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's one or two people. I think most people are respectful, responsible, recognize that it's, uh, it is, not legal, right? And then also, right. there's still the, again, there's still a stigma, and so people are still very cautious about it. And uh, it hasn't been overwhelming, I don't think, and I don't think there's been any complaints, to tell you the truth, about uh, what's going on down in Juneau uh, when the cruise ships are there. Everybody's having a good time. Um, there's little tiny shops and little tiny businesses all over the place that are making good money during that time. I don't think they care per se. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's so it's it's really just been sort of uh, folded into their entire business. It's it it is it, it everyone thought the sky would not everyone the 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 <laughs> anti cannabis thought the sky yeah. would fall and here we yeah, are We're, right, it's right. still going and people don't even notice it anymore. Yeah, I was talking to uh actually talking to Dave Pruse and yeah. he was talking about the cannabis licenses when they come in up in front of the city council. There's not even a mention anymore about them. They, they more, it's harder now to get the alcohol through. Yeah, <laughs> right. Has, but then we'll has, see on-site consumption. That's going to stir up a lot of stir up the hornet's nest. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure that will. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I I really appreciated last year you signed on to uh, HJR 21. You know the the resolution against uh, sessions. That was great. Yes. Yeah. Where does it go from here with Sessions? Like he's not really much a player anymore. It seems he's backed off on cannabis. Yeah. And... He is less of a player, but I think that we still have to worry about it. And every time we have the federal government say that if you do this, we're going to do this against you, it it really does send shivers um, to my spine. And also, it, it uh, I think it tamps down you know, the industry. The industry says, well, do we really have an industry or are we going to get shut down because of federal law? Or federal law talking, you know, federal regulators talking to state legis- re- state regulators into trying to curb what goes on in activities here in the state. It's a, it's a real concern, and I, you know, if I were in the industry, I I would still be vigilant, still be watchful. Um, so that that resolution had passed. Um, um, we had written letters. I mean, we've written letters to Jeff Sessions since. He was the attorney general, but we've written letters before that to the Obama administration about our state and where we where we're at. And uh, and I remember I sent a letter to General uh, Attorney General Holder and got a great letter back saying, hey, it's a state issue. We do not want to have to deal with state issues. You guys can do what you want. We're not going to enforce. We're not going to have our federal regulators suddenly talk to your state regulators to try to get names and put them on lists like that because that's not what they wanted to do and that's not what they should do. And so we were very thankful. We haven't gotten as quite a good answer from the Trump administration, but uh, certainly I, I think our administration, uh, whoever's governor, uh, I'm hoping it's it's Mark Begich because he's very you know pro-industry, pro-cannabis, that uh, 
if it's if it's if it's Governor Begich that we really do push back on the federal government on this, we shouldn't we should not help them out in any in any in any way. If the federal government says, well, you know, you've got a you've got this drug issue, it's cannabis only. We're going to say, hey, cannabis is legal in our state. I'm sorry, we don't have an issue. We're not going to compel any information over to the, to the feds based on simple things like that. And mm. uh, again, having a having a good governor up there, having a good legislator, uh, a good legislature, uh, is going to be crucial. And uh, again, big difference between Senator Kelly and I is that he's anti cannabis, anti industry, and I've been I've been pro industry from the beginning. Yeah, I, I am. I am feeling. I, I'm feeling uh, similarities to American Revolution. I mean, it's not. It's not that. <laughs> there's no way the feds are going to put the genie back in the bottle of legal cannabis. And right. The, the if they would try, I'm. I'm sitting here thinking. Okay, you have England trying against America to come in and say, okay, you guys have been ruling yourselves and making laws about this for a while, but now <laughs> you, you can't do that anymore. And that would be similar to what would happen up here. And it would just be like, nah, ain't going to happen. We're not going to do it. Ah, I don't, I don't, I, and maybe that could be the whole point, the whole side conspiracy thing to, to start revolution. But yeah, I don't think you're going to stop it. You can maybe slow it down in all these other states, but once, Mm -hmm. once it's legal in one state and I can, well, I love hearing you say that that at least you will not authorize any help to the feds in with -hmm. cannabis. Because there's a, there's a lot of things coming down with grants and the way the way money is comes into the state that can mm-hmm. be directed right into that. Right, right. But I, like I said, I, I don't. I hope that it won't. And if we have leadership down in Juneau, leadership at the in the governor's um, on the third floor at the governor's office, um, we're going to push back. That's what I we feel. should do. Um, I'm happy to hear you say that. Art. Moving Free Farms has been committed to teaching youngsters to the young at heart English and Western horseback riding for 25 years. Located just behind the university, they teach year-round in either the indoor heated arena in the winter or outside in the summer. Give them a jingle at 907-378-0103 to schedule a convenient time. Moving Free Farms. Let's ride some horses. Are you a consumer, Scott? <laughs> so everybody asked me this. You were, I wasn't really going to ask you, and then the, uh, <laughs> you were talking about stigma, and the stigma is not as bad as anymore. And I'm like, okay, maybe I will. All right, let's do it. Yeah, go ahead and ask. It's fair. You know, my um, everybody has always asked. Everybody, when I first, uh, the, the, when the news miner asked me about it or something, I can't remember, some national newspaper asked, well, what do you think about this new move? How do you think it's going to work at the state level? And I had people call me who knew me through high school and said, hey, do you think it's actually going to pass because I'm a state legislator? Mm-hmm. And they figured out oh, I've got some political insight. Do you think it's going to pass? I said, yeah, I think it's going to pass <clears throat> because they want to start a business up here. And um, they live in the lower 48, kids kids my age I grew up with. Uh, so the question's always – so I sort of became this advocate all of a sudden. Oh, Kawasaki. Kawasaki's a big pro-industry supporter. You know, hey, do you, you know, I went to the opening of Pacalolo's. Um, there weren't very many political faces there. I think Andrew Gray was there, assemblyman, and then a handful of other folks were there for the for the opening, the first the first opening for this for the first business in town. And um, people asked me, "Hey, so you uh, so you burn too?" <laughs> I said, "Well, <laughs> actually, um, no. I've actually never smoked pot in my life. My mom likes that answer, <laughs> and uh, I was a kid that grew up." Wearing it, carrying a briefcase to class, and wearing a necktie in high school. I was about as straight arrow as you could get, and uh, and I've sort of been sort of straight arrow as you can get since then. Um, I've never smoked before in my life. Well, Scott, I still love you anyway because you support <laughs> people who do. That's the thing. Just because you yeah. don't do something doesn't mean you have to say that other people can't. Right, and I think that is it's clear. Clearly, clearly it is, and we need to think outside of the, you know, outside of just my frame of reference. But, uh, and I've been to lots of parties. I know lots of people who do. My mother <coughs> had cancer growing up in in uh, Fairbanks, and 
uh, I remember this was before it was totally recriminalized or criminalized. It was before it was criminalized. It was uh, it was pretty common for people to smoke. Um, people who were you know my parents' age in their 50s, 40s. You know, I think my mom was probably 45, and I was just a kid. I was 10, so I can remember this. And when my mom got breast cancer, you know, and she was starting to lose weight, people came over to the house and say, hey, you know, we just, we grew some, you want, you want some, it's supposed to help for the, for the pain, for cancer treatment, you know, it's, I mean, it is, it is well, pretty well known that uh, folks that can, um, folks that, that do, folks can use it medicinally for, for specifically for cancer and for weight loss. She went through chemotherapy, she, uh, I don't think that she ever did, <laughs> and 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 I never did either. But uh, but it was just the fact that you know people could do that, you know, and people offered, and these weren't people off the street. These were these were people who were judges and lawyers and uh, civil servants and public officials and people that you would say, "Gosh, I can't believe that person would smoke," you know, would smoke marijuana. But yeah. A lot of people did, and I remember that as a kid growing up. That a lot of people came to my mom and said, "Sorry about your cancer. There must be a lot of pain. You're going through this. Uh, <clears throat> you're going through these these treatments of chemotherapy, and you're losing a ton of weight. And if there's anything that we can help with, and oh by the way, you know this is sort of a you know recognized as a medicinal treatment, and uh, that's that." I still you know, believe it to this day that it is a medicinal treatment and it does work for many people. You start talking about medical. Mm-hmm. Where where do you fit on this medical recreational? Because we have some people that are using it and they say only for medical. And then some people only, right. are saying that they're not using it for medical, that they're only recreating with it. And mm-hmm. then, they're, then they're somewhere in the middle where I fit, where it's all wellness. And where, yeah. when you ask yourself, why are you using cannabis? Do you find out that it's for a lot of these reasons that people are using it for medical? So where do you fit in that with medical versus recreational? And just like, you know, just like people enjoy their beer on a afternoon after a long day of work. Um, uh, I think when it comes to government, I mean, and this is the nexus that you're asking about between government law and government regulation and criminalization versus um, public safety, public health, those types of things. Uh, Alaskans, Americans, everybody, we need to have a reason in the government to make something illegal. We don't have to have a reason to make something um, uh, legal. And there's no reason why, in my opinion, marijuana should be illegal at all. And I, you know, growing up as a kid again, uh, I've never been to a place where folks have been smoking marijuana and then suddenly had fistfights or shot up a room or killed other people. But I've been to places where people have been drunk and done exactly that. And uh, so when it comes to public safety and and uh, making sure that the people are safe, it just it didn't make any sense to me growing up why one thing was illegal. The other thing is not. And I think that that is something that uh, if you're a libertarian, you respect, like, <laughs> right? It's yeah. uh, if, if I'm it not bothering you, if, leave me alone. Exactly. And I think that goes I think that goes with this industry now. And that's why, again, I mentioned it before. That's why I'm so ecstatic about how our industry here in Alaska and Fairbanks in particular has been so responsible and so respectful. And you can have a business that's opened up next to a restaurant or next to a bar or next to... Oh, yeah. Good cannabis know, right uh, there. Yeah. Hey, Good Doers of Alaska. This is Tom with Good Cannabis. Just wanted to give you an update on our daily specials for the week of Sunday, October 28th through November 3rd. October 28th, we'll have $35 all-good gummy 10-packs. Monday, October 29th. 
$27 for all 2 gram good cannabis top shelf flower. Tuesday, October 30th, 30% off all good concentrates. Wednesday, October 31st, $95 all good 20 pack half gram pre-rolls. Thursday, November 1st, $45 on all good 3.5 gram top shelf flower. Friday, November 2nd, $12 all good 1 gram king rolls. Saturday, November 3rd, $150 all good half ounce top shelf flower. Don't forget about our Halloween party, October 31st, all day 9 to 11. Come wearing a costume for your chance at extra tricks and treats. Thanks again to Mid Toker and for all you listeners out there. We look forward to seeing you in the shop this week. Have a great and safe Halloween. And Far North Tokers would like to thank Good Cannabis for sponsoring the podcast. Friday and Saturday, 10 to 11. Sunday through Thursday, 10 to 10. 356 Old Steeze Highway, Fairbanks, Alaska. 907-452-5463. Good Cannabis. Here's Token. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. There are health risks associated with the consumption of marijuana. For use only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Yeah, right, right, right there. But you, you can have one of those businesses that's just in a strip mall and... Uh, they're innocuous. They're absolutely innocuous. Nobody's nobody's causing problems. Nobody's fighting. It's not a den of crime. Suddenly, it it uh, and the people who buy and who go home consume for whatever reason, whether it's medical or just recreational, haven't been problems. And I and so the, again, the, the 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 I think the stigmas, I think the stigmas quickly dying down. Uh, and I think that that's a good thing for the industry. It's a good thing for it's a good thing for all people. Did you get wrapped up in as you're going through high school the Dare program? And my wife was involved. She mm-hmm. we're two years younger than or two years older than you, and mm-hmm. uh, so we graduated '91. And she was talking about when a lot of money came up in '90, I guess '90 '89. When it was that recriminalization mm-hmm. time and oh, yeah. Nancy mm-hmm. Reagan just say no and she was taken around and she was part of the just say no crew and doing skits mm-hmm. different different places. Did did that come through right. your world? Were you doing that? Yeah, I remember that. I actually remember because a lot of us got bussed over to uh, the it was Alaska land at the time, the uh, center, center. And uh, Ted Stevens was talking about the criminalization of, of, of marijuana and the D.A.R.E. program. And there were some bold kids that would ask because their parents smoked marijuana too. And uh, they grew, I'm sure. And they said, so why is this becoming illegal? And there was sort of the fear factor. Well, you know, if we don't stop crime, if we don't stop drugs, it's like drugs and crime. It's like, but this is not really, it's sort of on a different playing field, right? It's not, this isn't somebody that's, um, you know, doing heroin and going out and stealing things. This isn't somebody who's going and drinking excessively and getting into a car. This is really something that's different and sort of held to a different level. And I just remember, I remember all of those things that, well, all drugs, all of, all of them are bad. So is alcohol just as bad? <laughs> and that came up too. Well, alcohol is bad too until you're 21 and then it's okay. <laughs> I just, yes. I never bought that sort of, uh, logic or reason that a person could be 18 years old fight for their country be enlisted and uh and not be allowed to drink but uh um you know but marijuana was completely off the table cannabis is completely off the table it was just it just didn't make sense to me and it's never made sense to me um and i think it's you know from top down federal government on it's really uh it's really been that's that's what's really been the problem is that it's been top down from the federal government, and uh, and we need to get away from that. It just opens up so many more things with insurance companies and mm. uh, where do you go with insurance companies paying <laughs> for medical cannabis? Can you imagine that? All right. So I mean, there are movements afoot, though. I mean, I'm sure you know. Definitely. That, uh, I mean, there there are some movements afoot to make sure that yeah, you know, medical medical cannabis or you know whether it's medical or not however you want to classify it that 
uh, it it helps in some cases, in a lot of cases. And there's studies that can prove it. The North Bowl Refinery is here to provide Alaska with the finest quality CBD product available on the market today. This includes Select CBD, Lenative by Montel Williams, Lazarus Naturals, Jerome Baker, Hot Mess Cushmetics, and constantly testing new products. The North Bowl Refinery is a distributor to these fine locations. Smoking deals in Fairbanks and Kenai, Good Cannabis, Nature's Relief, Gabco, Denali's Cannabis Cash, Uncle Herbs, and Homer and Anchorage, The Frost Farm, and on Facebook with more locations coming soon. The North Bowl Refinery, quality CBD in Alaska. Well, Representative Kawasaki, uh, I appreciate you coming on and talking cannabis, but I have got to get you to talk about PFD before you leave. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got a chance. Well, uh, yeah. So what what is going on? There's so much confusion about, you know, who who's taking it and the way the ads are going, the way you'd expect. You voted this way. He voted that way. But I started it. But he actually voted against it. Yeah. I am most surprised with the PFD. Now, I I moved up here in uh, 99. Wife was raised up here. And I've been most surprised that since it just happened now, why didn't it happen 20 years ago? Have they just figured out? Has the government just figured out how to get the PFD away? Or was this tried before? Why Why is it happening now? And why didn't it happen when it's like 20 years ago? So I think it was in it, it was in 1999 that there was a there was a, a vote a public vote about whether the PFD should be used for state government uses. Oil prices were volatile at that time. It was the turn of the turn of 2000, and uh, and the advisory vote was whether the permanent fund should be used for state services. So it comes up cyclically, pretty much every 10, 10 years or so. Um, depends on oil and gas. Prices. It depends on where the budget's at. Uh, but I'll just say that um, I stand firmly behind the permanent fund dividend and the permanent fund and making sure that it's it's there for generations to come. This is a different state than the state that you came from, I'll bet. Um, this is the one state that says mm-hmm. you don't own the oil under the ground. So if you buy a house and uh, you say, oh, I struck oil in my backyard, you don't get to have that oil. That oil is not yours. It's still the state's. Thanks for and, uh, and yeah, thanks for finding it. And the uh, and so what happens with, in the North Slope is that the North Slope, all that oil that's been found, um, the the owners of the land can't collect that. So the so the revenues from it go to the state. The state redis redisperses it back to the people. Um, one way is to c- create a permanent fund. The other way is to create a permanent fund dividend that gives everybody a fair share or an equal amount. Um, based on the, the, based on a couple calculations, but uh, the, and so the PFD is one of those things that you know ha, has lived a long time, has survived 37 years. I support the PFD 100%. I'm I'm worried that uh, the PFD is now in jeopardy of being gone, and it's not just do we need to have great schools and and uh, public safety and good roads. And, or should we have the PFD? <laughs> the question—that's a silly question. That's like, do you want to get slapped in the face or punched <laughs> in the stomach? Right. You know. The question is, you know, are, there's other alternatives. You can have a great PFD, and we can get a better share for our oil. Something that existed for many years before Senate Bill 21 that passed in uh, 2012. We should get a fair share for our oil. If we get a fair share for our oil. We don't have to. We'll have a. We won't have a budget deficit that we have right now, um, and it goes for the same for timber, for fisheries, for uh, gold, for minerals. Um, pretty much every resource that we export out of the state, all of those industries have um, some sort of a severance. Some of them haven't been looked at in fifty years, fifty, sixty years. So we should make sure that we get a fair share. Once we get a fair share for all of our resources then we can start talking about taxes and uh, then we can start talking about the PFD. Again, the PFD is the last thing you cut. 
And the reason why it's the last thing you cut is because a cut to your PFD is a cut to your income. It's an income tax only on Alaskans. The people who get hurt the most are seniors, people with families and kids, people who live in rural Alaska, people who live in poverty, um, people who live in, on fixed incomes, students at the university. Those are the guys who get cut the worst by this. Uh, by this, and it's uh, and it's not fair. It's not an equitable way to fund government. No, so it ends it, up being a percentage need, of your, yeah. yeah, percentage of your of your whole income when you're sitting there a student and you have zero income and they're taking half of what your yeah. income is and there you go, fifty percent exactly. compared to your yep. what if you're making a hundred grand and they hit that, yeah. you know, one percent. Right, <laughs> and there's and there's millionaires. I mean, <clears throat> this is how it went down in Juno. Um, oil company said, well, we don't want you to tax us anymore. Okay, fine. Uh, mining companies said we don't want you to tax us anymore. Big fisheries that were based out of Seattle said don't tax us anymore. Uh, the timber cutting folks didn't want us to tax you anymore. You can't raise gasoline taxes, says the Truckers Association and other folks. Um, all these different industries that have really huge lobbying efforts down in Juneau said don't tax us anymore. The problem is that the public that got screwed the hardest was the folks that are the poorest and have no time to come down to Juneau to lobby us. And uh, that's that's the real that's the real sad part of it. In the end, was that uh, it's an inequitable cut to the people that get um, to, to the people that would be impacted the worst. And it, for an economy that's that's sort of struggling right now, it's 130 million dollars of excess money in the city of Fairbanks that's gone, just gone because it wasn't distributed as it should be in uh, in permanent fund dividends. And that hurts the small businesses. I mean, it hurts families. It hurts people that, again, live on the periphery. Uh, and most of that money stays here in Fairbanks. That's something that everybody should know. Right. You get that cash and it's just gone. I mean, you spend it on things that you need yeah. or fuel or things, but you're uh, – Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's here. Not many people are going on vacations with it. Yeah. Not many from Fairbanks. No. People in Anchorage might be able to once in a while, but most people – most people, and uh, and I do mean most people. Some people get to use it for vacations. My parents, I'm lucky, put my permanent fund dividends away for college, so that's how I paid for college, and it would have been the only way to pay for college for me. So I'm uh, real grateful that I had the family that could do that to set set money aside. But for for a lot of families, mm, it just yeah. goes uh, to basic living expenses. It did. We we tried to be righteous parents and try to hold ours for our kids, and <laughs> mm -hmm. it, it just, uh, yeah, it was hard. It, it got hard dipping into yeah. it. But then, yeah. but then when you explain to them, this is this is providing for this food, or this is you, that that vacation that we took last year. <laughs> this is helping for right. that, or whatever. You know, there's so yeah. definitely a give off. But it, yeah, it's it's nice to be able to. It must have been a beautiful gift for your parents to be able to give that to you and say yeah. that, you know, this is yours because it is yours. You got to decide where it right. went to. That's right. Yeah. That's right. One yeah. of the um, ad campaigns against you talks about your letter writing and you have um, your letters mm -hmm. to people. And I have I have <laughs> heard one that. of your letters, Scott. <laughs> you you do? Actually, you actually <laughs> wrote a letter to me. And oh, okay. I, uh, it, obviously it wasn't to mid toker, but, um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, we were not, uh, not from the same political background. And I wrote a letter to the editor and it was supporting, uh, I believe it was supporting Ron Paul. I might've wrote a few, oh. but it was basically talking okay. about, um, states rights and freedoms and, you know, a libertarian kind of letter. And you sent me, uh, a letter and you know got a letter in the mail from scott i was i was blown away from that you know when i got that maybe yeah. i don't know 10 years ago and i i didn't vote for you and but i was like wow <laughs> just that um it stuck out to me as a huge thing that you were yeah. reading the paper and you saw that someone and you commented about what i wrote you it was it was cool i i really appreciate that so it, it's nice to have this opportunity that i can thank you for yeah, sending me a letter. So I, I loved it. I don't know how anyone can say that's a bad thing to be communicating with your 
constituents. But yeah. Whatever. If you you've probably never received anything else from any of your other legislators that represent you, or maybe you have, but uh, just asking for money. You know, most people say exactly the same thing and say, "Yeah, you know, nobody's ever called us before. Nobody's ever talked to us before. You know, we thought it was just going to be an anonymous thing." And I've uh, I, I call my constituents. I talk to them. I knock on their door every year. And I and I go door to door every year, whether it's an election year or not. And uh, people every year are confused, and they'll say, "Well, geez, is it an election year? Is it? Or, uh, do we have to vote this year? I thought I voted for you last. No, you voted for me last year, but I'm accountable to you. I'm going to give you my report. I'm going to tell you how things are going. If you have any questions about where I stand on issues, or if you want to know the issues that are coming up, and you can tell me what you think I should do, I want to hear it." And so that is such an important thing that a lot of uh, people forget, that uh, everybody down in Juneau is accountable to you. And uh, when I communicate to people, I hope that it reached out to you. That's because uh, I want to make sure that folks know that we're accountable to you and we're listening. And uh, not every legislator down there listens. My opponent's been down there since 1994. I've never gotten a newsletter from him, and I've lived in his district for for my entire life, and uh, and I just hope that uh, that other people can say, yeah, you know, that that person was responsive, responsible, asked me what I thought. I don't like his politics, but the fact that he reached out is such an important thing, and and I'm glad that uh, you remember that. I'm glad that you uh, brought this up today. Oh yeah, you uh, you planted a seed. You know, you you reached out to to someone and and maintain a relationship, even though it's just a, a letter. So uh, yeah. Really, I um, love it. Thank you <laughs> again. Yeah. Anything else did you want to uh, share with the audience? You know, uh, I just wanted to say, that, you know, besides this election, every election is important from city council to borough assembly to mayors. Um, it's, it's important to get involved. People say that they don't want to get involved because they don't care about politics. If you care about your life, you care about your potholes, you care about your schools. You want to make sure there's great public safety and resources. Um, you, you care about the cannabis industry, something that gets regulated by the state. If you care about any of those things, then you do care about politics. And the people that you vote for, the people that represent you down in Juneau, are the most um, are, are are important and should be. They should be considered. This should be considering as a considered as a job interview. If you want to hire them, vote for them. If you don't want to hire them, don't vote for them. And, but you got to get engaged because it's such an important election. Every year we have elections that are run by two or three votes or won or lost by two or three votes. But uh, it's important that everybody gets out there every year and votes for the person that they best think will represent their ideals, their values, you know, their, their way of life. Um, and uh, that's, that's pretty much all I wanted to say. And once again... We've been here with Representative Kawasaki running for state senate. You have my full support. I have not given any candidate my support for whatever that is. Doesn't mean much, <laughs> but uh, I I did not vote for you uh, prior. Uh, I will be voting for you this coming. Oh, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> thank you for doing what you do and uh, doing what you do for cannabis. Thanks. Hey, thank you for joining us on Far North Tokers. You can find more episodes of this time capsule of Alaskan cannabis on SoundCloud and iTunes. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Send questions and comments to midtoker at farnorthtokers.com. M-I-D-T-O-K-E-R at farnorthtokers.com. And now, Patreon. Help support the show financially at patreon.com slash midtoker. Here's Token. Here's Token.